this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. This morning, our scripture is a familiar passage to you from Matthew chapter 2, and I invite you to find your Bible and read along with me. But one of these stories, stories like this one, the story of the visit of the wise men from the east to the Holy Family, they're just so familiar to us, you feel like you've heard it a million times, that it's sometimes hard to listen to. So I just encourage you, as you read and listen to this passage today, to try and listen with new, fresh ears to this story. You can hear there is a tone of darkness and fear from the very beginning in this story. It's Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The scripture says, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him, calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it's been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage." And when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gold frankincense and myrrh and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod they left for their own country by another road now sometimes they're called kings sometimes wise men or magi we know that they are from the east outsiders non-jews probably uh, Arabs practitioners of Zoroastrianism which their faith was set around reading and interpreting the stars. These wise men's religion involved making predictions from what they saw in the sky. Now, fun fact, your little church nerd fact for the day, take note, there are not three wise men (laughs) mentioned. We don't know how many wise men there were, only that they brought three gifts. So perhaps people assume that They couldn't imagine someone showing up to a birthday party without a gift, so they just assumed there were three wise men, but we really don't know how many there were. 
We do know that when they saw the star in the sky, they knew the new Jewish king had been born, and they head to Jerusalem. Of course, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of kings and rulers. Jerusalem is the seat of the power. It's where the Roman leaders who occupied them led from. It's where the temple leaders were. Of course, they would assume Jerusalem. It's a city of kings. Jerusalem is the place they assumed this new king would be. But you know that star in the sky did not tell them everything. They were off. They were at the wrong spot. They wandered. What's that expression, not all who wander are lost? Well, these wise men, they seem pretty lost to me. They go to Jerusalem. It's the wrong place. He's not there. And then they trust the absolute wrong person, King Herod. King Herod was known to be ruthless. He was known to be to squash anyone who was a threat to his power. And so they walk up to the very wrong guy, the Roman leader, and say, can you tell us where the new Jewish king is? And like any good politician, Herod is surprised by this and fearful, but he doesn't let them know. He says, go and find him, tell me where he is so that I too can come back and pay homage to him. And so they head off to Bethlehem, six miles. That's about how much they were off. That's literally the distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, six miles. They were off. They were off, Jerusalem to Bethlehem. But they follow the star in the sky. They keep following that star, and finally they find Jesus and his mother Mary, and they bring three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, gold, obviously, you know what gold was used for. Frankincense was a fragrant incense that was often used in temple rituals. Myrrh was a spice often used to repair bodies for funerals. They didn't just pick up a giant tin of popcorn at Wally World and call it a day. These are fine gifts, precious gifts. Gifts fit for royalty. Gifts fit for a king. And here they are in a town they didn't expect to be in, in a place they couldn't have imagined. The people and circumstances were totally different. I'm sure they, Mary accepted those gifts and thought she could perhaps trade that myrrh for some bread or a blanket for her child. And I'm sure she probably was thinking she could use a casserole more than frankincense. But these are the gifts they had, and these are the gifts they offer. They offer what they have, and they are gifts fit for royalty. And here they are, standing in little, sleepy, dusty Bethlehem, they expected to be in a palace, and they find themselves with two common peasant parents who are far from home. And there's this tidbit in the scripture of Matthew's story that I just love. Something he tells us about these wise men after they arrive in Bethlehem to Jesus. It says they were overwhelmed with joy. And I love that phrase 
overwhelmed with joy. There's probably just a handful of times in my own life that I would say I too was overwhelmed with joy. They are so thrilled to be there, to finally be there, and to offer those gifts that Matthew tells us that they were overwhelmed with joy of it. But here's the thing. I can't help but take note that these wise men never planned for it to look like this. They never planned for that journey to go that way. In fact, they never expected to be in Bethlehem. They never expected to meet Jesus in a common house, born in a stable, different people, different circumstances. I'm sure they never imagined it going like this. Anyone else relate to life going a little unexpectedly lately? 2020, man, whoo, we survived. You know, just the other week, I um, came across my notes, my own personal vocational plans that I had made for First Christian Church in 2020. And I read through it all, and I just had to laugh because pretty much every single thing I wrote down is still just notes on paper because COVID-19 upended our plans and changed everything. And even though I don't know all of your circumstances, I know that your life has been impacted by this pandemic in some significant way. It just has. Our, our students are continuing to go to school online. Parents, we have become homeschool teachers. Teachers, you've become tech wizards. Um, you've had finances impacted. You've had stressful events in your life and through your family. You've not been able to see loved ones. You've had to navigate just the typical life stuff through a pandemic, surgeries and rehab and treatments like dialysis and, and cancer treatments, on and on. It just can feel overwhelming sometimes. I don't think any of you need a reminder from your pastor today that life does not exactly go according to our plan. We make plans and God laughs, right? Isn't that how the expression goes? We make plans and God laughs. We aren't in control. And 2020 has certainly given us a reminder of this reality that we aren't in control. And sometimes life does not look how we pictured it. Sometimes you can see a star in the sky and be certain that God is calling you to go, but surprised by how long and how hard the journey is, shocked by the curveballs you never saw coming. And sometimes when we run up into things that don't seem to be in our perfect plans, we can begin to think that all is lost and wonder. You know, there's this legend about a fourth wise man. It's not in your Bible, but it's a sweet story about a supposed fourth wise man who also saw the star in the sky in Bethlehem, and he brought treasures for the new king. And he tried to find Jesus, but as he set out on his journey, he came across a dying man in the streets. 
and he stops to help him, and he ends up spending some of his treasure for Jesus to help this dying man in the streets. And by the time he gets to Bethlehem, the Holy Family, they've already fled from ruthless Herod to Egypt. And he doesn't see Jesus, but what he does see are other children, and he's able to help save another child from King Herod's wrath. And on and on it goes. He keeps being just behind the Holy Family, never actually ever seeing Jesus face to face because he keeps having to stop along the way for all these people and places that were never in the plans and he keeps spending out of his treasure until eventually he has nothing left to offer. And you know, it's, it's a sweet story, of course, that might remind us about unexpected plans, but the truth is, I think this story is a lesson on faith for all of us to recognize that the gift that Jesus asks of us, the gift he wants us to use, is the very gift of our own lives, right here and right now, even in the plans and curveballs we never saw coming, to use the gifts of our lives right here, right now, today. And the good news for all of us is that when we feel lost, when we wander and experience things we never planned on or wish had never happened, the truth that we need to remember is that the light still shines. The light is still shining. And all we need to do is to continue to follow the light and to offer the gifts of our lives, even when we think they aren't good enough. In fact, there was a time in the Gospels, one of the most beloved stories from Jesus' ministry, where Jesus is teaching along the banks of the Galilee, and there's thousands of people listening to him. And the day is getting late, and the disciples say, dismiss the crowd, Jesus, let them go on home so that they can eat their dinner, and Jesus says, well, you give them something to eat. And they're like, we don't have anything, Jesus. We don't, we don't have anything to offer them. Oh, wait, we do have, there's this kid, this little boy who has said that he would offer what he has. But it's just five loaves and two fish. That's it. What is that? Thousands of people. But Jesus takes what this young boy has to offer. And you know the story. The bread, the fish, it never runs out. Everyone is fed with leftovers to spare. That's just how God works. And God has brought you, you, to this time and to this place in January of 2021 for a reason. There's nobody else like you, nobody who's had your experiences and perspective, nobody who has your exact gifts. And maybe this is the year where you finally decide to let go of the image in your head of how you think your life is supposed to be and just try to focus on following the light and enjoy the journey on your way. 
Where might Jesus be leading you this year? What gifts do you have to offer? Your unique gifts, your experiences, your lessons along the way, your time, your energy, your dollars, your heartache, your joys. What hard-fought lessons do you have to offer? Who knows? Maybe if you follow those wise men lean and offer those gifts that you and only you have, maybe one day you might just look back on your life and be overwhelmed with the joy of it. <laughs>